Turn with me please in the scriptures to the book of Acts and the first chapter, Acts chapter 1, down here about verse 7, they were asking the Lord about when he was going to restore the kingdom to Israel and he said it's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has put in his power. You know, some things are revealed to us, some things are not. Some things about the times and the seasons and the future, you're not going to be able to figure out because it's not revealed. And uh, you got to watch about filling in the blanks. A lot of folks would have been better off if when they were asked certain questions that had just said, I don't know. People seem to get choked on that. He said that's not revealed to you. But what is going to happen, verse 8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost, well, ghost is an old English word for spirit, after the Holy Spirit is come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, Jerusalem, Judea is where they were, but then there's an expanding area of influence, branching out, larger and larger circle of influence, even to the uttermost part of the earth. And uh, he's saying their witness is going to reach. Said out loud with me, you shall receive power. You shall receive power. After the Holy Spirit. Is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Hallelujah. Witnesses, Jesus said, unto me. So the title of this series is True Witness. True Witness. And we, we begin last time talking about the difference between being a witness. And being a preacher. And I want to expand on that some more. Go with me also to 2 Timothy 1. And if you're looking, you can also go find Revelation 12. 2 Timothy 1 and Revelation 12. 2 Timothy 1 7 says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. That means you don't have to fear. If God didn't give it to you, you don't have to have it. If God didn't give it to you, it must have come from somewhere else. Being afraid, being scared, being upset, being worried is not of God. None of it is. We don't have to have it. We don't have to live that way. Now, a lot of even church going people don't believe what I just said. They don't believe it's possible to live worry-free and fear-free. And so for them, it's not possible. They're stuck in it. But if we will let the Word be our guide and enlighten us and empower us and be willing to make some changes, changes about what we look at and listen to, changes about what we think about and talk about, changes about what we let ourselves do and not do, 
we can break free from the cycle of worry and fear that's gripping the world. Is it possible in the midst of all the stuff that's going on to have the peace that passes understanding and the joy of the Lord that is your strength? Is it possible? Is it possible? Somebody said out loud, I can live fear-free in this world. I can. Why? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Glory to God. Man, that'll preach. Don't you think? Isn't it wonderful to know? I do not have to live entangled in fear and anxiety and worry and cares of this life. No matter what is going, people say, well, if I didn't have so much going on, I wouldn't be scared. Well, there's always going to be something going on. It's not something going on that's the cause of you being in fear. It's you yielding to the fear. It's you yielding to the worry. There's always going to be something you can be upset about. Scared about, worried about. If not with you, with somebody else. Not with them, somebody on the news. Somebody on the other side of the world. There's always something to cry and bite your nails and pull your hair and lose sleep over. There always is. Always is. Always will be. But that won't be why you're worried and scared. Because that's happening. It'll be because you chose to dwell on it and look at it and think about it and talk about it and yield to it. When we could choose to think about something else and look at something else and talk about something else and focus on something else. Instead of focusing on your symptoms and feeling bad, you can focus on your healer. Instead of focusing on your bills and economic problems, you can focus on your provider. Is that right? And whatever we behold, we become. Which means we don't want to be beholding the messed up world. Because we'll just be conformed to it and be like it. If you want something different from what most folk have got, you got to do something different than what most people are doing. You got to think differently, talk different. I want you to say it again. I do not have to. Fear. Worry. Be anxious. God didn't give me. The spirit of fear. So if he didn't give it to you. I don't have to have it. What did the Lord give us? The spirit of power. Love. Messed up mind. Huh? Worried mind. Anxious mind. No. Sound mind. Sound mind. Stable mind. Strong mind. Healthy mind. Got it together. Not falling apart, mine. That's what I got. How about you? What do you got? What kind of mind did the master have as he walked the earth? What kind of mind? Was he distracted? Was he scared? Was he... What kind of mind do you have? I have the mind of Christ. Is that scripture or not? Glory to God. God has not given us the spirit of fear, so we don't have to have it, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And notice the very next verse, verse 8, be not therefore 
therefore connects what came to what what we're looking in now. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. When he says God didn't give us a spirit of fear, what's he talking about? This very next verse reveals specifically he was talking about not afraid to testify. Not afraid of the repercussions if you give your testimony. They were locking people up for being Jesusites, for being Christians. People were being executed. And Paul himself is in jail. And so that would tend to make you really quiet down your preaching and your testifying and your witnessing. But he says, God didn't give us a spirit of fear to be intimidated, but be, don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Be bold to testify. Be unafraid, unashamed, quick and ready and willing and confident to witness testify. And finally in Revelation, when I say finally, I'm talking about our text. <laughs> Somebody was telling me that a relative of theirs came to a service and, and uh, they, they were a little concerned about that I, I might go too long. And, uh, and then, you know, after the offering, they turned and the person said, well, that wasn't so bad. They said, no, that's, that's the offering. We haven't got to the message. <laughs> But you know, where was the 15, 20-minute sermon birthed? How did that begin? When did that begin? Is that how Jesus ministered? Is that how Paul and Peter ministered? Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm, I'm sure I've gone too long, and anybody can. But we shouldn't just come to check the box and say we went to church. What good is that? Something should be accomplished. We should minister to him. We should let him minister to us. And there's something specific that he wants done in us that changes our life. And we should leave knowing we have an assignment of something to do from the word he told us. Amen. Something that's going, we're going to put into practice that's going to change our lives for the better. In uh, Revelation, Revelation here in the 12th chapter. In uh, verse 10, Revelation 12:10, he said, talked about the accuser of the brethren is cast down that accused them before our God day and night. Verse 11 says, they overcame him by two things, by the blood of the lamb and what? By the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto death and you'll see the same word translated witness is also translated martyr same Greek word in the New Testament and you'll see martyrs are mentioned more than a couple of times in the book of Revelation as is witness and testimony and oftentimes it's the same word and what that we're going to talk about this later as the Lord would lead us and help us but what this is talking about is you are so committed to this testimony and witness that you would die before you say it isn't true. Amen. 
And you are not afraid. You don't have the spirit of fear to bear witness to the truth. The truth about Jesus. The truth about God. The truth about what you know he's done for you. And so in talking about this last time, we said, what is a witness? These word witness that we've already seen in the scriptures here in Acts and other places, it literally means one who testifies. It means to affirm what one has seen, heard, or knows. Say that out loud, to affirm what one has seen, heard, or knows. It also means to go on record. And it also means evidence. Evidence. Now what you'll hear from unbelievers is scoffing and mocking and people will say there is no evidence of the existence of God. There is no proof that God exists. I disagree strongly. I said, I disagree strongly. There is no evidence of God's existence. There's no proof that God is real. How many remember the Psalms said in Psalm 19.1? The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. So we don't know that God made all that. You can't prove he didn't. All these ideas about the origins of life and creation, you'll notice a very significant word in front of it, theory. That means they don't know. It's a guess. And even among the so-called most brilliant minds and experts, you'll find they disagree among themselves. Why? Because it's all theory. Why? Because you weren't here. (laughs) And they weren't either when it all started. But according to the Bible, which I believe, it says the heavens are testifying. How many thankful for the sunshine out here today? The sun is testifying. How did it get there? How did the sun get there? How did this planet get here? How does gravity keep working? How how does that sun keep burning and the light, you know? How? The Bible says it's testifying. Day unto day utters speech. And night unto night shows knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Creation itself is a witness. It was here when God made it. It was here when it happened. And creation itself is a witness. Romans 1 talks about that even God's eternal power and glory and the Godhead is revealed in the things that are made. It's all here if we have eyes to see it. We already know more than we think we do. If we could just put it together. It's all here, revealed in creation. God's wisdom, you know, the the wisest man uh, listed in the Bible, Solomon, you know what he talked about? 
The Bible said he talked about trees and flowers. You ever read that? Why? That's where the wisdom is. You find out how a tree operates and you've learned something. You find out what makes these flowers work. You understand way beyond a plant in the ground. You're tapping into the wisdom of God. You're tapping into things about God himself because everything that he made came out of him. Everything down here is testifying about him minus the curse. The, the curse and the devastation and decay and destruction, that didn't come from him. That came as a result of sin and the enemy's work. Now, uh, there is this witnessing when people say there's no evidence that God is real. That's just not true. It's all around us. It's everywhere. It's in every breath you take. It's in the air you breathe. It's in the light you see by. It's in your own body. It's in your own being, in your existence. It's everywhere. But also, in addition to that, the courts of our own land and courts all over the world and the legal systems of the nations accept as evidence, as proof, reliable eyewitness testimony. Is that right? And there is abundance of eyewitness testimony as to the reality of God our creator. Is that right? And the reality of Jesus Christ. Are you willing to go on record? Can you, Do you have anything you can go on record about? And say I know. I was there. When I was born again. And I'm not lying when I tell you what happened to me. Right? And when I was filled with the spirit. And when the Lord answered my prayer. And when my needs were met. Come on are you with me saints. That is considered evidence. In any court of the land. If you say I was there. I was on the corner. I saw when the cars ran in together. I saw what they did. I was there. That's evidence. If you're a reliable witness. (laughs) A truth teller. Well, what I'm saying is when people say there's no proof that God exists, that's just not true. There's abundance of evidence. There's abundance of proof and you and I are part of it. And it is what we have been anointed to do. Quote to me Acts 1.8, our text. You shall receive power. What? You'll receive what? This is something beyond your ability, beyond your intellect, beyond your effort. You shall receive, this is from above. This is divine power. You'll receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you'll be what? Bible teachers. No. That's where people have, have gotten confused. People have changed being a witness to preaching the gospel. It's been changed radically. You'll see even modern translations. Uh, where it should say witness or testimony. They'll put preaching the gospel. And it's wrong. It's not what the language is. There's a big difference between being a witness. Being anointed to testify. 
of your personal experience with the Lord are being called and anointed to teach or to preach or to be an evangelist or a pastor. They're not the same thing. We've already gone over the scriptures where we saw that not all should try to be teachers and preachers. Is everyone an apostle? Is everyone a prophet? The Bible, no, no. And yet, everybody who's received the Holy Spirit, everybody that's born again, can and should be a fearless witness. Somebody say fearless witness. Fearless witness of what they have seen and heard. Now, I know we touched on it, but I want to go over it again. What we're talking about a witness is. We gave you the definition. You tell me again. What is a witness? One who testifies of what they have seen and heard or know. Personal testimony, first-hand knowledge, personal experience. Let me read some verses to you. In Luke 1 and 2, he says, those, he said, which were from the beginning, eyewitnesses, he said, is how he came to write this book of Luke, is because he said, uh, we, I and they, were eyewitnesses to these things that transpired. Luke 7:22, Jesus said, go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard. John, in the beginning, John bare record and said, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and abode on Jesus. And I knew him not, didn't know who he was to start with, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, that's the one that baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I saw and I bear record that this is the Son of God. John saw it. So he could testify about what he saw. Can you see that? John 3.11 says, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen. Verse 32, what he has seen and heard, that he testifies. What do you testify? What you see, what you hear, what you know. John 12, it says, the people that were with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead, they bore record. They gave testimony of what? They were there. They saw him come out. And so when they testified, verse 18, John 12, 18, for this cause, the people also met him for that they heard that he had done this miracle. Why did they come and meet him? Because the people that had seen it testified and it affected these people. And we're beginning to see something. What's God's plan and purpose in you and I being empowered, anointed to be witnesses? In our hometown, in our neighborhood, in our community, in our state, in our region, to the uttermost parts of the world. What, what's God's plan in that? So that they hear the testimony, and we'll get into this I think perhaps later, and the Holy Spirit bears witness with the testimony. Now you got two witnesses. <laughs> not just you, but you and him. And it's not just you talking about something, but there's an anointing that comes to convince, to reveal, to persuade, to confirm. So that they could have their own personal encounter. 
with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords so that they can have a witness. Can you say amen? amen. Acts 4. Acts 4.18 says they called him and commanded him not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said, whether is it right in the sight of God to hearken to you more than to God, judge you. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. People have confused teaching Bible lessons and Bible doctrine with witnessing. It's not the same thing. And so one people have, have thought, well, I, we need to go a-witnessing. We need to go a-witnessing. And so what they try to do is get them a message to preach to people. And so they try to preach to people. And sometimes it's not even something that's real to them. They try to preach what their preacher preaches or what their church believes or some doctrine that they don't half understand. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And that's not what they're anointed to do. What are they anointed to do? Testify. Be a witness of what? Of what? Of what they themselves have seen and heard and know. Let me give you a revelation. Most unbelievers, particularly strangers to you, could not care less about what you believe. Or what you think you know. Or your doctrines about spiritual things. Most of them have got no time for that. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to listen to you. Try to explain to them what you think you believe. But what you have personally experienced is another thing. That's another thing. You're not talking theory. You're not talking doctrine. You're not talking denomination. You're not talking religion. You are an eyewitness. You saw it. You heard it. You know it. You personally experienced it. And that's what the Holy Spirit will anoint you to share and say and do. And he will get involved with them. And even if they thought they didn't want to hear it and believe it, he'll begin to work on them. And they'll begin to look at your eyes and go, you know, they act like that really happened. (laughs) They sure are convincing about that. And it'll stay with them and it'll work on them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And John, uh, let me see, uh, 1 John. Go with me to 1 John. And the first chapter and the first verse. First John 1 John 1.1. John says this. And you'll find in the gospel account of John as well as in 1 John. If you want to study on this subject, those are two excellent passages. It's just full. John, gospel of John and 1 John are full of references to a witness and testimony and believing. He said that which was from the beginning. Which what? We. Who who heard it? It's John saying, I heard it. Me and my companions. Is he saying, I heard it? We heard it? 
We saw it with our eyes. Whose eyes? Our eyes. We looked upon. Our hands have handled. Is he saying, I was there. (laughs) I was there. I traveled with the master. I heard his preaching. I saw the miracles. I had my head on his chest at the supper table. I was there. (laughs) And verse 2. For the life was manifested and we have seen it. Can you keep, keep seeing the emphasis here? I saw it. I heard it. I touched it. I was there. And what else are we doing now? We're bearing witness. We're testifying. And we're showing to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Keep reading. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. See, he said it like three times now, hadn't he? We saw it. We heard it. And we're declaring it. We're testifying that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. I know I'm being repetitive, but it's for a purpose. Tell me what a witness is. Somebody who testifies. Testifies about what? What they have seen. What they have heard, what they know, firsthand experience. And that's what Acts 1-8 is talking about, that you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come on you and you'll be witnesses. Thank you, Lord. Go with me over, if you would, to the book of John, the fourth chapter, if you would. John chapter 4. I tell you what, um, go to Mark 5 first. We'll do it this way. Mark 5, and then I think we'll go to John 4. Mark 5 is the story of the man who was demon possessed, living out in the graveyard, naked. To some today, he'd just be a goth nudist (laughs) who was doing his own thing. (laughs) How many understand it's not normal to want to go around with no clothes on? It's not good. It's not okay. And people who try to say that it is, they're confused. They're deceived. They're thinking wrong. It's not normal to cut yourself. Why was he cutting himself and running around naked? Because he was full of the devil. When did that change? And this fascination with death and decay. This obsession with death. You know. I like motorcycles. But I don't understand why everybody wants to put skulls on them. No skulls on my scooter. No, no, no. People think that's cool. They think it's tough. I'm sorry if you've got some on yours. But it's death. It's emphasizing death. And if you're a Christian, you're not a child of death. You're not a child of darkness. You're a child of the light. You're a child of life. 
We're not supposed to be obsessed with death. <laughs> you see some of the looks I'm getting across. I'm sorry if you got skulls on it. I'm not. If you like your skulls, okay. But we are not to be. This man, why? Why did he pick to live out in the cemetery? Why? In the tombs, naked, cutting himself. See, this he is in total darkness. His mind is confused and taken over by this. By yielding to it. You yield to it long enough, it gets worse and worse and worse. Nasty, filthy, unclean. That's not who we are. I said, that's not who we are. We're children of the light. We're children of life, not death. Light, not darkness. We're not interested in mutilating ourselves. Cutting ourselves. No. No, the, the Lord's not dealing with you to cut yourself. Well, that's the only way I can get released from pain. You're believing lies. That's not true. You need to be free. You're listening to the wrong things. The Lord's not going to tell you to hurt yourself. He'll help you get healed. Right? Help you get free. But anyway, this man's in awful shape. He's in a terrible place. And Jesus comes over. Verse 7. The man cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you? Jesus, you son of the most high God, I adjure you by God that you torment me not. For he had said, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is your name? He said, My name's Legion. We're many. He besought him much that he did not send him, send him away out of the country. And so he cast them out and, and they went into the pigs and they ran off the, the cliff and, and choked. And verse 14, when they that fed the swine found out what happened to their pig herd, they told it in the city and the country. They went out to see what was done. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. When you come to Jesus, that's what happens to you. You leave the cemetery. You quit cutting yourself. You put some clothes on. I said you put some clothes on. And you get in your right mind. Well if he just now got in his right mind. Where was he yesterday? He wasn't in his right mind. And running naked through the cemetery. Cutting yourself. You're obviously not in your right mind. (laughs) Am I reading scripture or not? Now notice what happened. Here's this man sitting here clothed and in his right mind. Aren't you glad you're sitting up in church today? Clothed and in your right mind. Woo! This is so much better than this stuff. Woo! And uh, they were afraid. Isn't that strange? They were afraid. And uh, they that saw it rather. Told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil. And concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Isn't that crazy? And when he was coming to the ship. He that had been possessed with the devil. Prayed him that he might be with him. He said Lord. Let me go with you. Don't you think you would have said the same things? I mean, yesterday, he was out of his head, running through the cemetery, 
And uh, today he said, Lord, let me go with you. And, you know, I don't know, maybe he saw the um, disciples, the 12 and others that were with Jesus and traveling with him. And he might have thought, boy, that's the thing. Maybe I can be a preacher, too. <laughs> I don't know what went through his mind, but, but he wanted to be with Jesus. And he wanted to go with them wherever they were going and stay with them. But that's not always the plan of the Lord for you to travel with the preachers. But it doesn't mean you're not supposed to do anything. What did he tell him to do? Jesus said, no, no. He suffered him not. No, you, you don't go with us today. But here's what you do. You go home to your friends. And what do you do? What do you do? You teach them. You teach them on eschatology. You break down the seven seals for them. You, you explain the incarnation to them. What? No. Can you see? Why do I keep saying this? So many people, you know, and I, I guess it's not too far-fetched. They go to church. They hear preaching. And so they think, well, that's what I need to do is preaching. But not everybody's called to preach and to teach. And yet everybody who knows him has a witness, has a testimony about what he has done for them. And that is what you're anointed. Oh, somebody say anointed. That's, that's what you're anointed, anointed, empowered, enabled, given utterance and expression. Revelation says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy's inspired utterance. You know, we used to have testimony time in the churches I grew up in. And sometimes, and we, you know, the church is larger, but if you notice, we're still having testimonies. We're reading about them. And, and when you hear one that was given... That's real and by the Spirit, does it bless you? Does it bless you? Why? There's an anointing on it. Sometimes in the older churches, somebody would get up and testify and it wasn't a blessing. Because they'd just talk about how hard it was and how bad it was and y'all pray for me. That's not a testimony. Huh? It's an evil report. It's a bad report. <laughs> but <laughs> I know we, we, we had different ones, especially that everybody looked forward to testify. There was one mother in the church, uh, I remember in particular, and she'd get up and start to testify. And she'd just begin to tell, I just want to tell what the Lord has done for me. And she'd begin to share and an anointing had come. And she's just telling about what the Lord did for her that way. What the Lord did. And she's not trying to preach a doctrine, but it was anointed. And you can tell she's not trying to find words. This is not something she rehearsed. And she's not reading it off a page. And yet it's flowing. What is that? That's inspired utterance in a known tongue, which is prophecy, which is what the testimony of Jesus is. 
And you don't have to be in church. You can be at the grocery store. You can be at the workplace. And if it's an opportunity. And if you know it's the right time. For you to tell somebody about your personal experience with the Lord. You start to share it. Words will come to you. Words will flow up to your mind. And they will have power on them. Hallelujah. And what if every child of God. All over the planet was doing this. It's that's God's plan, isn't it? He said, no, you go home to your friends. What's he wanting him to do? Testify and tell them what? Tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you. Is that your testimony? What great things the Lord has done for me and had mercy on me. Say it out loud. What great things the Lord has done for me and had mercy on me. And these things are things you have seen, you have heard, you know. And that is evidence of God's reality. That's evidence that Jesus is Savior and Lord. It's proof. Is an eyewitness testimony proof in a court of law? It's proof of Jesus' resurrection and reality. Because if he did something for you last Tuesday, he must be alive. I said he must be alive if he did something for you yesterday. He must be alive. He must be real. People can scoff and mock all they want to, but they can't take that away from you. You were there. You were there. You saw it. You heard it. You know it. Oh, somebody say glory to God. So he told him, he said, no, no, you're not going to travel with the preachers. But you're going to go back home. And you're going to tell all your friends what great things the Lord has done for you. And how he's had compassion on you. And so the man did that. Verse 20, he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And what happened? What happened? It affected the whole region. I said it affected the whole region. Nothing is said about this man being an apostle or a prophet or evangelist. Nothing is said about that. He's just telling everybody how good the Lord has been to him. What what great good things the Lord has done for him. What, What did he tell? What did he tell? What did he tell? He said, let me tell you where I was last month. (laughs) I was naked in the cemetery. (laughs) Cutting myself. You see all these scars? I did that to myself. I know it's stupid, but I did. I did. And I thought that was what I was supposed to be doing. I thought that was tough. I thought I was cool. I thought I was enlightened. I was a nudist goth. But I want to tell you that Jesus came where I was. Oh, hallelujah. And he set me free. He got that junk out of me. And I'm saved. And I'm free. And my thinking is pure and clean. Hallelujah. And my body is healed. And I don't want to live like that anymore. And the people he's talking to would go, there's something to this now, man. (laughs) 
And other folks would say, yeah, my mama used to live over there by the cemetery. He's telling the truth. He was a bad one, man. It affected the whole region. Didn't it? All men did marvel. What are they marveling about? They're marveling at the goodness of God. Well, if he's good, he must be real. If he did something, he must be real. Can you say glory to God? Go to John 4 in closing, I think. Oh, thank you, Father. Anybody like this besides me? I'm, I'm getting stirred up. Who can do this? Who can be a witness like this man? Who? Anybody and everybody that the Lord's done something for. That he's been good to you. That he had mercy on you. Anybody. Everybody. Not only can you do it. You're anointed to do it. I said you're anointed to do it. Just like I'm anointed to preach right now. You're anointed to tell that testimony. Glory to God. John 4, in John 4, Jesus met this woman at the well, and uh, he asked her for a drink of water. She said, verse 9, how is it that you being a Jew ask drink of me, which I'm a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So she has major problems with prejudice. And I think part of her problem is that she thought, or some Jews that she had encountered, thought they were superior to her kind. And one translation says, Jews don't use the same dishes as Samaritans. And so she's kind of flaunting it in his face. He, she thinks he's thirsty enough to ask her for a drink. So she's like, ah, I didn't think y'all drank from the same dishes as us. (laughs) She's got prejudice issues. And Jesus didn't even get into that with her. He just said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's talking to you, asking for a drink, you'd have asked of him. And he would have given you living water. Living water. Thank you, Lord. And, uh, The woman said, sir, well, at least there's some respect there now. I mean, things are warming up. (laughs) You have nothing to draw with. The well's deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself, his children, his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Anybody got that well inside you? Got that well inside you? And when the woman heard that, she said, sir, give me this water. That I thirst not and I won't have to come to this well and draw anymore. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. No, what's that got to do with anything? (laughs) Mm, It did have to do with something. And the woman answered and said, I don't have a husband. I'm not married. Jesus said, well, that's right. You've well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you got now is not your husband. 
So just because you were married to them doesn't mean they're always your spouse. And just because you're living with them doesn't mean they're your spouse. People say, well, we're married now as of the Lord. Are you now? You sure? Going to be married is the same as not being married. <laughs> right? If you're not willing to get before family and friends and the Lord and make public commitments to each other, it's questionable that they are there. I know a lot of folks don't like that, but it's the truth. And there need to be commitments made before God and to each other and before family and friends. It's covenant. Somebody say covenant. And it's supposed to be a covenant that's binding. And that gives the children security. It gives a lot of things, doesn't it? But anyway, the woman said, uh, I perceive you're a prophet. In other words, how in the world could he know that? So she wants to get theological on him now, which is another way of changing the subject. <laughs> Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that Jerusalem's the place where you ought to worship. Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour comes when uh, neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem you worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, salvations of the Jews. The hour comes and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know Messiah comes, which is called Christ. When he's come, he will tell us all things. Why don't you tell him that? She's wondering, is this him? Is this him? Because he's sure telling me all things. And Jesus said to her, I that speak to you am he. Woo! And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou? Why talkest thou with her? And the woman left her water pot. She's excited. And when she came to draw, but she forgot all about that. And went her way into the city. And what'd she do? What'd she do? What'd she do? She said to the men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Is she an eyewitness? Come on, is she an eyewitness? She says, I saw him. I heard him. He told me things nobody could have known. Huh? He spoke right into my heart. He, he, he touched, when, when he talked, it touched me like nothing ever before. Man, she's so excited. She ran off and left her water pot. When she got back to, to her place and, and the men, she said, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I saw him. I, who you saw who? The Messiah. What? I saw him. <laughs> the Messiah. I saw him. I heard him. Come see a man who told me all things that ever I did. Isn't, is not this the Christ? It's got to be him. And what happened? Verse 30. And they went out of the city and came to him. This is a bunch of people coming to Jesus because one woman came and testified. They came to him. Why didn't they just go, oh, crazy woman? <laughs> she might not have had the best reputation in town anyway. I don't know. No matter ah, what, you know, how come everybody stopped and listened to her? And then when they got through listening to her, they said, where's he at? She said, come on, I'll show you. And, and they followed her back. 
to find Jesus. She's not trying to explain redemption to them. She's no longer talking about the proper place to worship. What's she talking about? I saw him. I saw him. I heard him. He told me things nobody else could know. He ministered to me. He helped me. Is there power in this saints? There had to be some power for all the men of the place to come and follow her back to Jesus. Something's going on. Something got a hold of them. They believe she's really had an experience. They believe this is real. And so they went out of the city and they came to him. And if you skip on down to verse 39, many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him. Why? Why? For the saying of the woman which testified. Is she trying to break down scripture for him? No. She's just telling him, he told me all that I ever did. He told my life story. I never met this man. The word of knowledge was a strong witness to her, wasn't it? The word of knowledge. There will be times, not just preachers now, that believers will be in a situation and the Lord will give you a word of knowledge about that person's situation and it will open them up to hear your testimony. And you don't have to give a drum roll and go, yay. Yay, I have a word for thee. You don't, you don't have to do it that way. It can be as simple as a question. Has this been going on with you? They might look at you and go, hmm, how would you know? Well, I didn't, but the Lord brought it to me. Well, then what comes next? What comes next? It could be time for your testimony. Come on, can you see this? I'm not saying that happens all the time, but it can happen. And uh, keep reading. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him. They did what? For what reason? Just because of her testimony. We got a bunch of men in town that are now believers in Jesus. They never seen him themselves. They never heard him, but they heard her testimony. Isn't that something? So when the Samaritans were come to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days, which uh, probably some Jewish religious leaders would not have done. They're, they're in Samaritanville. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. And they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of your saying, that's what got them there. I said, that's what got them there. But now we have. Oh, somebody shout. We have heard him for ourselves. And we know for ourselves that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. What's God's purpose in you and I being anointed? To share our personal testimony of what we see, what we hear, what we know. It's so they would come to believe and then have their own personal encounter with him. And say, now I believe, not just because of what you've experienced, but because of what I've experienced myself. Oh, somebody say, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Stand on your feet, everybody. Ooh, thanks be to God. 
Thanks be to God. I know I get excited and raise my voice and wave my hands. Don't expect me to calm down. These things are real. These things are wonderful. Hallelujah. And I'm believing God that we're going to see results and impact greater than ever. Right? And from the least and the youngest to the greatest and the most developed, everybody is going to be influencing the realm around them with their anointed witness, their anointed testimony. And it's not something you're going to have to work up. not something you're going to have to be scared about. It's going to come so easy and so natural. All you got to do is tell what you've seen and what you've heard and what you know. Close your eyes. Lift up your heart. Lift up your hands before the Lord. Say it out loud, Father God. I believe in you. I believe in your son Jesus. That he died on the cross. That he paid the full price for all my sins. And that you have raised him from the dead. And he's alive right now. King of kings and Lord of lords. Soon to come again. Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. And I am not ashamed. And I am not afraid. To confidently bear witness, testify, go on record of how good you've been to me and have had compassion and had mercy on me. Show me how to walk in the fullness of this and all glory be unto you. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.